Um, this morning's been a good day, or today has been a good day. This morning we began uh, and had uh, worship together. We had one respond to the invitation. We had uh, three additional deacons appointed to serve this congregation. And right now we are in the midst of the uh, elders looking at men that you have suggested to uh, serve as additional elders. And I want to ask you to continue to remember the elders in that process as uh, those are those are big deals. Those are things that help to shape the direction uh, that the church will go in the future. And so please keep uh, them and uh, your prayers as they go through that process. Also, just by way of update, uh, James and Beverly have been in Israel now for nearly uh, 10 days. They have two more days and they'll be home. They're in Jerusalem today and tomorrow, and on Tuesday they'll be uh, heading back uh, to the States. Um, I don't know if you know, that, but James gives me a hard time. Uh, he, he, he's, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would pull pranks and stuff, but he, he does. Uh, he, if I have a sermon that he thinks is particularly good, he'll come by and say, I can tell Kim helped you with that one, you know, and just, you know, needle me like that. And last year we were at a Christmas thing and we were playing Dirty Santa and we all passed our presents around and I finally got one that settled with me and, and James didn't get what he wanted. And so he just came over to me and took my present and uh, gave me his and that was just the way it was. I mean, what, what am I going to do? Um, and so, you know, he's done things like that. Beverly left me the keys to their house while they're on vacation. It, it's a good thing I'm married and I have someone to help me have better judgment because I'm telling you, I would have short-sheeted their bed. But she said they will be too tired when they get back. You need to not do that, but uh, I, I really want to. Um, if any of you go anywhere, I'm more than happy to take care of your house. <laughs> there we go. All right. Um, tonight, I want us to talk about some things that I think are of interest. And again, it, it, it sets just, I want us to talk about God and his character. And I want you to understand who we serve and, and why we love him. And, and that love is, you know, the motive to cause us to do the things that we, we need to do. Uh, there was a time when I was more afraid of going to hell than I was in pursuit of fulfilling his will. Uh, just like a child, you know, when a child is young, uh, dad, you know, he had this paddle we kept in the hall closet. And man, when he just made a move that direction, I straightened up. And I did the right thing because of fear of discipline. But, you know, as I got older, I I didn't want to disappoint my dad, not for fear that he would, you know, spank me, but out of respect and out of love. And, And I think that's the way our relationship with God grows. There probably, when you obeyed the gospel, you had great fears. You had been convicted that you were a sinner and that as a sinner, you're lost. And the fear of going to hell drove you to obey the gospel. And that is a proper and, and a valid motive. Don't discount it. Uh, the Apostle Paul said, uh, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. 
And so what I want us to, to talk about tonight are some characters of our Father that I think will help us to even fall more deeply in love with him than we are now, and that will affect the way we live and the way we behave our lives. I know that probably I've shared these points with you before because I know I wrote an article a number of years ago, but I don't think that we've actually preached a sermon on this, so I wanted to do that tonight. But sometimes a story will help to tell the story of the gospel And I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus was constantly, Matthew chapter 13, they asked Jesus, why do you always talk in parables? And I think that Jesus knew the power of a story, the power of an illustration. And that's the way he taught, uh, by using things that people can grab a hold of. Because sometimes when we can see those stories, then it helps us to more easily grasp the story. About 20 years ago, I remember reading about a man, well, a a boy, and every birthday that this boy had, he excitedly ran to the mailbox and gathered up the mail, and among his birthday cards that he would get on that day was one special letter. It was written by his dad, and it was a note that was addressed to his son, and this boy eagerly awaited those letters from his dad. And and here's why. When that boy was still unborn in his mother's womb, the father learned that he had a terminal illness. And he knew that he was not going to be there for his son. And so he took to pen and paper, and he wrote a birthday note, a birthday message to his son for every 18 years of his life. He wrote him a note when he turned 16 just about driving and about dating. He wrote him a note when he was 18 about going off to college and graduating from high school. And and then he had those special notes every birthday, and he talked to him about the things that a father would say through the course of a lifetime, but he knew that he wouldn't be able to be there to say it. And so what he did is he prepared in advance to do what he could do to help that son turn out the way he wanted him to turn out. He prepared in advance. Now, if you understand that story, which we can, then you understand the gospel of Christ. Because that's precisely what God did for us. Before we were ever born, God made plans for us. And he put those in execution and began to have those things come to pass before we were ever born. And we're the beneficiaries of it today. And we should, when we open this book, we we should be as excited as that boy to read what his father had to say to him because that is exactly what we have. A letter from our father telling us how much he loves us, helping us navigate the obstacles of life, the hard things, the difficult things, trying to tell us how to be men and women of God who reflect the nature of God. I want us to look at three things tonight, and then the lesson will be yours. And I see that the font did not show up right. But anyway, 
Before There Was a World. That's the title of the lesson. And I want you to consider three points tonight. And the first one is this. Before there was a sinner, there was a Savior. Have you ever contemplated that? We've been sinners for a long time. We, we go all the way back to the garden. And David, even if you, if you want to look at this statement as hyperbole in Psalm 51 and verse 5, David says, you know, from the time of my birth, I've been a sinner. That doesn't teach inherited sin. Uh, far from it. But if he's using hyperbole, he said, man, I have been a sinner <laughs> for a long time. It's like somebody who says, man, I've been married all my life. Not really all your life, but it may seem like that. Um, and that's what I think David is doing in that passage. He's saying, I have been a, a sinner for a long time. But before we were ever sinners, there was a Savior. Turn in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 1. I want you to see verses 18 through 20 because that's precisely what this passage tells us. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for you. That passage says that before you ever sinned, before any man ever sinned, there was a Savior. God made plans for it. He made provision for it. Before, it says, the foundation of the world. Before He made the world. They had already had this agreement in heaven about this scheme of redemption, that Jesus would come and take on the form of a man and live among us and die for us, shed his blood for us, and and by that, he would redeem us. We can't be redeemed by money. You can be the richest man in the world, and you'll never pay for your sins. Money won't do it, but the blood of Christ will. And that's the provision that God made for It's because he loved us. He saw out ahead that we were going to need something, and he made provision. Just like that father who knew that he wouldn't be around for his son, he saw out ahead that he would need instruction and guidance, and he provided it the best way he could. And God did the same in the person of Jesus. Before there was a sinner, there was a Savior. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8 that Jesus was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I mean, like I said, it was already all worked out. God knew what he was going to do. Jesus was going to be slain. When John saw Jesus coming to the Jordan, do you remember what he said in John 1 and verse 29? He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I think John said that statement by inspiration because I don't know that he grasped it. I think the Lord revealed that to him. The Lamb of God. He, he was the Lamb of God. That's why he came into the world. Genesis 3 and verse 15, as soon as Adam and Eve sin, right there we have this promise. God calls them on the carpet and he says, Eve, shame on you. Adam, shame on you. Serpent, shame on you. But he said, I've made provision. The seed of woman. There will be enmity between the seed of woman and, 
and Satan, but the seed of woman will conquer. He'll bruise the head of Satan, whereas Satan will only bruise his heel. So I want you to understand what that means. God, before you were born, before there was ever a sinner, there was a Savior. We weren't caught off by, uh, God wasn't caught off guard by us. He knew that we would need a Savior. I, I sometimes hear people say, well, you know, how can God be good if he would go ahead and make us and he knew that we were going to make mistakes? I think that's wicked. Because if, if, if God knew that we're going to sin and he went ahead and did it and, and now people are going to be lost because of that, he should never have done that. That's evil. God is an evil God. I think we hold God to a different standard than we hold ourselves to when we make statements like that. We're not really being fair or logical. How many people are willing to say to anyone who brings a child into this world, evil parents, every parent is evil, because those parents know in advance that those children will grow up and do things that disappoint them. And if they know that in advance, then they're wrong for having kids. No, they're not. And we wouldn't charge anybody with wrong for that. Um, there's the benefit of love. There's the desire to be loved and to share love. And, and that outweighs those risks. And we understand it and we don't accuse and don't think that it's sinful when we see it in people doing it. So why would we turn around and accuse God of the evil when he does it? Before there was a sinner, there was a Savior. Here's the second thing. Before there was guilt, there was grace. Look at what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. Talking about God and Christ who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Again, there's that whole preemptive thing. God sees, my children are going to need something. And before we ever put a foot on the earth, before the earth was ever even made, God provided a Savior, and He provided grace. That grace was in Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should live holy without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise and glory of His grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. A couple things I want to point out there. Did you read, did you hear the word predestined? It's not a bad word. It's a biblical word. The Bible teaches predestination. The Bible teaches that we are predestined. Not Calvinistic predestination, not that God arbitrarily in eternity just kind of drew names out of a hat and said, heaven, hell, you know, and just assign people. That's not the way it worked. But he did make choices. 
before the foundation of the world. He chose, and look at how many times the phrase in him is used in Ephesians chapter 1. God chose, predestined, that those in him will be saved. That's what he said. That's the way he chose it to be. Those who are in him will be my adopted sons and daughters. Those who are in him will receive the redemption that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. But whose choice is it? Did that just go out? The monitor just went out. Um, but whose choice is it to be in him? You see, that, that's where my personal choice comes. Um, God said before the foundation of the world, if you're in my son, you'll be saved. If you're out of him, you'll be lost. That's predestined. No one can change that. But as to whether I am over here or over here, that's up to me. That's my choice. And that's the biblical view of predestination. But again, here's God before the world ever began, before the foundation of the world. And he said, before anybody's ever made any wrong choice, I'll take care of it. I see what's coming down the pike. And I'm going to provide grace. And that grace came in the person of Jesus. The passage, if you have the old King James, there's a statement that is made, and it says that he made us meet for heaven. M-E-E-T. And, and that, we don't use that word very often. Um, it's used in the King James in Genesis, and, and we've mistaken it and misconstrued it to be something that it is not. How many of you have heard of Eve being Adam's helpmate or helpmeet. Um, it's not a, a, a noun. It's not, you know, one thing. It's not, this is what she is. She's his helpmeet. The word meet, as it's translated in the King James, means suitable, um, corresponding to. And what the passage is saying with Adam, God made Eve suitable. She's his help, suitable for him, appropriate for him. And when this passage tells us that God made us meet for heaven, suitable, appropriate for heaven. For those who have been cleansed by the blood of Christ, they have every right to the tree of life. They belong in heaven. You're not going to be out of place there. That's how efficacious the blood of Christ is. And so before there was a sinner, there was a Savior. Before there was guilt, there was grace. And before there was a hell, there was a heaven. The Bible tells us in Titus chapter 1 and verse 2 that we have a hope of eternal life which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. God made hell because of the sinfulness of the devil and his angels. That's who hell was for. And those who humans who rebel and, and join their ranks, well, then we you know share in that fate. But he never made that for us. It was never intended for us. But heaven was. He prepared that heavenly reward again before time began. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 34 says that he prepared uh, a home for us from the foundation of the world. So again, 
you know, we, we come back to that story that we began with. Sometimes we can see it a little bit ahead. We can see what our children need. And we provide it for them. And the reason we do that is because of we're driven by love. That's what God is driven by. He loves us. He saw our needs before we ever had needs. And he met every one. He knew we were going to be sinners. So he planned for a Savior. He knew we were going to be guilty. So he gave us grace. He knew that we would be deserving of hell. So he prepared for us heaven. Before we were ever born. So here's what I want you to understand tonight as we bring this lesson to a close. I I want you to understand how much God loves you. There's no last-minute fly, you know, decisions, trying to figure out what to do for it. This is all all a scheme of redemption. It's all planned out. God loves us. He loved you before you were you. And He wanted to assure that every need you had would be met so that you could go back home to heaven, be with Him forever. The reason you're here is the reason why people have little ones in their homes. Because they love and they want to be loved. And that's why we're here. Because God loved us and He wants to be loved and wants to be glorified. And so that's why we live. And if you're lost, we, we can't blame anybody but ourselves. If when Jesus comes again, I find myself unprepared, I can't point a finger at anybody. Certainly not God. Because God made preparation before the world even began to bring about our salvation. Can you imagine what love that son must have had What kind of anticipation that son must have experienced who never knew his dad, but knew that his dad loved him so much that in his dying days he prepared those things that were needful to him. Imagine how he must have devoured and mauled over and read over and over again those letters, those words from a father that he never saw. If you can understand that, then let me ask you this question. God wrote us a letter, and it too is a love letter. And it tells us all the things that we need to do and to be in life, to be full, complete, mature, godly. Do we approach it with the same kind of love and excitement and zeal as maybe we would if We had this letter in the mailbox waiting on us. He loves us just as as much, well, even more. If you're here tonight and you're not yet a child of God, why don't you respond to this letter written to you by your heavenly Father that you have never seen? He's addressed every need that you'll ever have in your life. He's not here 
to talk you through those things, but he did leave you instruction how to deal with them. Have you responded to his letters? He loves you. Before there was ever a world, he made provision for you. And so tonight, as we sing this song of encouragement, I want you to consider the God you serve. He is a loving God who loves you and wants you to be saved. And if that's the case, why would anyone leave here tonight lost? Accept His grace, submit yourself to His will, and learn to devour and to love the instructions that He gave us so that we can someday be reunited with Him. If you need to respond to the invitation, won't you come as we stand together?